Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. We're a book club for games. But not today. What are you going to cover today, Mike? Today is sort of a single topic episode because because of all the traveling I've been doing, the other episode came out really late. And now there's hardly any time left in the month. And I thought we'll do a shorter episode just on one topic. But actually, it may balloon into a total nightmare plus rapid fire. So anyway, we're going to talk about the Hearthstone Hong Kong controversy. I thought we were going to talk about one topic because it's just that important. I thought the idea was not to record a two hour monstrosity that takes me over a week to edit again. There's still time. If we see the sun coming up, then we know something's gone horribly wrong, and I'm still ranting about it. So let's begin. So what happened? So on October the 6th, in the post-game interview for the Hearthstone Grandmasters, Blitz Chong, whose Chinese name is Ng Wai Chung. I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't know why I said that and didn't let you say it, seeing as you can actually speak Cantonese. It's really good. You came in, you came came right in there. During the post-match interview, what did he do? So, he is from Hong Kong, which is in the midst of months and months of protests. And he put on goggles and a gas mask, which are, well, they've come to symbolize the protests in Hong Kong. And he said, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our time. In Actually, he said it in Mandarin. No, really? I think. Which surprised me, but he, he said it in Chinese. I'm pretty sure it was Mandarin. Regardless, he was being interviewed by two Taiwanese casters. They both like ducked under the table because they were like, oh, he's going to say it. And then they cut the interview like midstream. They were, like went to commercial break and Blizzard suspended him. They banned him from competition for a year. They rescinded all his prize money so that, you know, they they took away his prize money. For the season? Yeah, not just for that match, but for the season. And they fired, I mean, in inverted commas, they, they, they said they wouldn't work with those two casters again either. That's just the start. Well, and then the internet freaking melted down... I mean, basically, there was just, like, massive backlash against Blizzard's stance on this. Again, some further context. On October the 4th, Daryl Morey, 
the GM for the Houston Rockets. He made a tweet in support of Hong Kong, and that resulted in condemnation by China and a lot of negative financial impact for the NBA because there was an exhibition match being played in Shanghai. Something like that. To be honest, I don't follow basketball, sorry. I mean, this is a gaming podcast, not a, not a basketball podcast, sorry. Regardless, big meltdown there too. The streams were cancelled, etc., etc., etc. So anyway, Blizzard, being very mindful that this had just happened to the NBA, obviously came down hard on Blitzchung, but the internet pushed back hard on Blizzard too. Since everyone's kind of being forced to take sides, do you back, you know, freedom of expression or do you make money in China? And most companies are choosing making money in China, even if it goes against everything that they purportedly support in the West. But it's becoming very hard to walk the line and keep everyone happy because as blizzard discovered if you try and appease china now you actually will piss off your customers in the west epic doesn't support china yeah epic surprisingly made quite strong statements that they wouldn't censure anyone for being pro hong kong even if it cost them their market in china but then you see it's easier for some companies to do this than others. Like, is Fortnite really popular in China? I'm pretty sure it's much less popular than Hearthstone. In any case, so some events that happened following this censure. I mean, within Blizzard, there's a big statue that has, well, plaques with Blizzard's values supposedly written around it. And two of those plaques every voice matters and think globally were then covered up by angry employees and there was a tweet about it the taiwanese commentator who got like fired by blizzard put out a statement saying i'm not going to work with blizzard again people started deleting their blizzard accounts in solidarity to the extent that the system became overloaded and wouldn't let people delete their accounts so to delete your account, you have to do like two-factor authentication or they started making it required doing two-factor authentication and then that system became overloaded and thus people couldn't delete their accounts. In the wake of the controversy, Blizzard then tried to tone it down. Blitzchung's ban was reduced from a year to six months and they reinstated his prize money you know they said okay actually fine you can keep the prize money this did absolutely nothing to appease anyone and then a bunch of events were cancelled as a result too probably because they knew people would turn up and protest so the overwatch launch event in new york was cancelled by blizzard and a 15 years of world of warcraft event in taiwan was cancelled too but the big one hasn't been cancelled yet BlizzCon. 
that's going to be very interesting what happens at BlizzCon because, you know, it's on November 1st. Starts, yeah. And Blizzard can't really afford to cancel BlizzCon. It's such a huge event. Plus, people have paid a lot of money to attend BlizzCon 2. There are a lot of expectations for BlizzCon this year as well, because last year was the whole, don't you guys have phones, mobile Diablo controversy, which, again, you could argue is pandering to the Chinese market. And so I think Blizzard was under a lot of pressure to show something good this year at BlizzCon. Show something for their core fan base anyway. And now it's massively overshadowed by this. Do you have anything to say? No, because I'm going to feed the beast. I need to, I'm going to let you just go for it. Some interesting reactions. It's actually become more explicitly political. So Republican and Democrat representatives, so from Congress and also two senators, actually wrote a letter to Bobby Kotick Joel, we shouldn't be buying cod. I, re- I realise this. <laughs> we'll get Sorry, to on. that. We'll get to that later. So this letter basically expresses their concern that Blizzard, a Western company, is bowing to censorship essentially from China, and then Blizzard have said, "Oh, we would do this for any political speech. We want to keep it about the game." And you know their rules say. You can't do anything that brings Blizzard into disrepute. But it it really rings false, their statement. Like, I can't imagine that if you said impeach Trump or make America great again, you will be banned for a year and have your prize money stripped. Right. The disrepute you're bringing Blizzard into is that you're risking their China market. And from a business point of view, you can obviously see exactly why they're doing it. But it's still a very uncomfortable thing to see from a Western company. Especially a Western company that supposedly stands up for free speech and, you know, freedom of expression, liberal values, etc. I mean, their true colours are coming out here. One very creative thing I saw is that to try and hurt Blizzard's bottom line. Because the thing is like, you know, you mentioned just now, maybe we should be boycotting COD, given that it's Activision Blizzard. But boycotts don't really work, right? Like, even if we're all like, oh, boycott COD, cancel World of Warcraft descriptions, whatever, only very hardcore people are really going to do that. It's not really going to move the bottom line for a company like Activision Blizzard. But... What could hurt them is if you get Overwatch banned in China. And so enterprising artists have been trying to make Mei, the only Chinese Overwatch character, into a symbol of the Hong Kong protests in an attempt to get Overwatch banned in China. I think that's really clever. It's really creative. So they've been making art of Mei, but dressed up with the goggles and the gas mask, holding an umbrella, saying, you know, free Hong Kong. So far, I don't think it's actually caused any Chinese backlash, but it's quite a clever idea. The other thing 
that the Western media only picked up on sometime after it happened was that the Hearthstone Weibo, is it Weibo? Weibo? <laughs> I can't actually speak Mandarin. Account, which is basically the Chinese Twitter, made some very pro-China statements about this event. So the translation I saw, we highly object to the expression of personal political beliefs in any of our events. As always, we will defend the pride and dignity of China at all cost. So, you know, when Blizzard are saying, oh, we would crack down on any political speech, it's not just about China. But then you see an official Hearthstone account making a statement like that. It doesn't seem very much like a balanced statement. But then again, although it came from an official Hearthstone account, it's not actually run by Blizzard. I think it's actually run by NetEase, who are the Chinese company that operate Hearthstone in China. Because the Chinese gaming market is really weird. It's not at all an open market. But then again, that's that's China. say. No, there's plenty that's been said. You're saying very quiet. You're content for me to get banned in China, but you know you need to be able to travel to Guangzhou just in case. I, I don't fear China. I fear, I fear, I fear Mike. <laughs> I do think that. I mean, it's obviously not just this event. I mean, the ongoing Hong Kong protests, in general, have just caused much greater awareness of the relationship between Hong Kong, China, and actually even Taiwan. Since I think in the early days of the Hong Kong protests on Reddit, I saw people just saying, oh, but Hong Kong is China. Hong Kong is inside China. And they didn't realize that Hong Kong is really very different to the mainland. I do think most people were aware that Taiwan was not the same as the mainland and they didn't realize that china considers taiwan to literally be part of well china china and that has also been in the press a lot more recently clarifications or at least clarity on the lack of clarity about taiwan's status but you know to bring it back to gaming for a moment China is apparently the biggest single market for games. It's actually bigger than the US well, and Japan. But Japan's a tiny island. The US is huge. China's even huger. And that is why all these gaming companies feel like they have no choice but to appease the Chinese market. Because, you know, there's just so much money to potentially be made there. But the Chinese market is actually really, really different it's well as a result of the laws in china games and gaming there is very well it's not like the rest of the world so for 15 years games consoles were actually banned so i think only with the ps4 or xbox one generation were games consoles allowed in china again and as a result of that, PC gaming and mobile gaming is way bigger in China. Also, every game has to be approved by this kind of regulatory body. And the rules are very strange. I mean, it's kind of like 
Do you remember when we were young in the UK? It was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And yes, yes, yes. The European versions of games had like throwing knives instead of ninja stars, because for some reason, some European ratings bodies considered shurikens to be like you know corrupting the youth, and ninjas were dangerous. And China has similarly random rules, so skeletons are not allowed. Skulls are forbidden, for example. And so there's just like arbitrary changes needed to games in order to be released in China. And often games need to have a separate, censored, or at least different Chinese version that you know have art assets that comply with these you know Chinese regulations. Hong Kong, thankfully, doesn't have these restrictions, which is why we're able to have a gaming podcast here. But it's it's really becoming much clearer that, you know, we're right at the front line of it. You know, the the border between Hong Kong and China is really not very far. And, you know, these protests have shown things can change very fast. And how long until Hong Kong just becomes another Chinese city. Sounds kind of grim. Yeah, it does. Was it you who was saying that I would be more likely to leave Hong Kong if they censored the internet than if they sent the army in? No, no, it wasn't me. Okay, someone said that to me. I think they're right. I can live with a curfew. I can't live without YouTube. If I have to stay at home and I can't even watch Mario Maker troll levels, what am I going to do? <laughs> I feel like you've said nothing this entire time. It's fine. You had a lot to say. I, You know, it's okay. Uh, well, it's just such a tense situation now. The kind of like, like culture war, right? I mean, the world has been relatively stable i think i mean there have been pockets of like terrible wars but large parts of the world have been stable and peaceful i mean there was the cold war but then that kind of went away but now it feels like we're seeing the start of something new right something new and not good and i mean is it a new cold war or is it some other kind of it's like a war of memes right (laughs) you've got things that it's okay to say in the west and you've got things that are okay to say in china and those things are really different and given the global nature of companies these days it's really leaking out in weird ways If you look at the big tech firms, well, I think Apple's the only one that's in real trouble, right? Because Google is basically banned in China and Android is an open source thing. So, you know, it can't really be controlled. So, like, none of it's really sticking to Google anyway. Twitter banned in China, Facebook banned in China. But Apple, Apple obviously has a massive market in China And Apple has tight control of their entire ecosystem. So 
they have no excuse. They can't say, oh, sorry, we can't do anything about it. Too bad. They're, you know, it's everyone knows that Apple can do literally anything they want within their walled garden. So what did they do? Well, so things that I thought were pretty shocking. They've removed the Taiwan emoji in Hong Kong and Macau. So previously in the mainland, the Taiwan emoji is not on the keyboard. And I think it won't even display. If someone sends you one, it just shows the you know, unknown character symbol. Oh, really? I can't even send it to you. Oh, but you have a... Well, so if you have a Chinese iPhone in the China region, it literally, the Taiwan emoji has been erased. But now in Hong Kong and Macau, it's gone from the keyboard, but you can still copy and paste it or receive it. You can still see it. So it's not as severe, but it's still gone from the keyboard, which is actually quite a significant step. Only if your region is set to Hong Kong or Macau. I, I just actually checked my phone. My phone's actually set to UK. <laughs> so I still have it. Yours is set to UK too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah We're both still holding on to that. <laughs> but other things Apple have done. Allegedly, Apple has told Apple TV Plus creators to avoid portraying China in a negative light. And... Apple have pulled an app from the App Store that protesters in Hong Kong were using. So there was an app that was used to identify the location of police. And Apple have pulled it and said, oh, we had credible evidence that people were using it to attack police officers. There's a huge amount of propaganda on both sides, to be honest. But we're both here living with it. I feel like the protests haven't been affecting me directly too much recently, but that's probably just because I've been away so much. Yeah, this will be the first weekend I've been back in a while. Yeah, I mean, I have had some weird first-hand experiences of the protests. Like, I literally was coming out of an MTR station and heard people shouting, quickly, 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 in Cantonese at me. And then I realized it was because they were about to start smashing up the station. And as I was coming up the escalator, this guy had, you know, like a big metal rod and was just like smashing up the signage. And I was like, whoop, <laughs> like this is a little bit too close for comfort. But you walked that way, you told me. I walked that way? As in you went to the exit to see what was going on. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> can't help <laughs> You're right. I was like, I want to see it. I want to be the centre of international news. It's it's not often that you're actually in Hong Kong. It seems to be alarmingly often that you're the centre of international news. This is the third time that like Hong Kong has been major, major news. Because there was the Umbrella Revolution a few years back. There was Edward Snowden just showing up in Hong Kong. And now this for months. It's a very interesting city to live in, which is not always a good thing. It's like for the wrong reasons. It's cool. You have some stories to tell. You need to get involved more. You need. We need more stories. <laughs> you need me to get arrested. You need me to wind up in a gulag. That's, and then we're going to pivot the podcast. We're going to pivot the podcast. <laughs> How to escape from a re-education camp. That's it. That's the title. I'll be there singing patriotic songs. 
I have to learn Mandarin. Yeah, you can talk about how you infiltrated them, right? <laughs> I feel like this is a minefield. I feel like this is like <laughs> the most risque. Any closing comments? Do you have any comments at all? I feel like it's just been me giving some mildly off-topic rant about the situation in Hong Kong. Sorry. I don't think I have anything constructive to say in in a short amount of time. Well, I shall be watching... Actually, I won't really be watching because you've got to pay for a virtual ticket and I'm not going to do that. But I'll be paying attention to the news about BlizzCon with great interest. Didn't someone publish a protest guide about how to protest at BlizzCon? Yes, someone did. It's hard to tell if anything's really going to happen. Because these are really hardcore fans who have paid a lot of money for tickets. It's not an open event where just people who have an ideology to push but don't really care about the brand. They're just using it as an excuse because they know that brand has done something negative in their eyes. You know, it's not one of those situations. To go to BlizzCon, you have to have paid hundreds of dollars. And, yeah, are those people going to protest? But then again, maybe they feel betrayed. Mm. We shall see. Moving swiftly on. I take my laser gun and I go pew, pew, pew! Rapid fire. Rapid fire. So the analog pocket was announced? Yes. Analog are the company that made... The analog NT? And the... Didn't they make a Mega Drive as well? Mega SG? Yeah, that. So they're renowned for their FPGA... I was going to say clone, but... Is clone the right word? FPGA no, is something console. So they're retro consoles, they take cartridges, but they're... Yeah, I mean, they're not emulations, right? They're supposedly a pretty much perfect reproduction of the hardware using FPGAs. And FPGA being a field programmable gate array. Which actually, I'm not even going to attempt to describe. Look it up on Wikipedia. So the analog pocket is going to run Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games. And you can also play Game Gear games, Atari Lynx games, Neo Geo Pocket games. With a cartridge adapter. Yes. Yes. So you have to plug in a physical cartridge. It doesn't play ROMs. But I'm sure inevitably it will be modded to run ROMs. Or I'm sure you could just shove a flash cart in. And that would work too. It has two FPGAs, which is interesting. They've explicitly said there's a second FPGA in there for modding purposes. So people can write their own cores or adapt other cores and put them on. So like, it wouldn't surprise me, for example, if someone was to port you know, the Analog NT or Mega SG cores and then also hack it to play ROM files. And then you've just got a portable retro console that can play basically anything. That would be cool. And 
the screen is ludicrously high res. It's 1600 by 1440 and 615 PPI. And we were just talking about 350 PPI. (laughs) So that's very, very high res in a tiny, tiny amount of space. Yeah, so this is saying I should get the 4K 13-inch laptop. This was in the pre-chat for people who didn't listen to that. Oh, shit, isn't this a different episode? Would you buy this? If I miraculously had some Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color games. So that's a no. (laughs) That's a no. It's really unfortunate, really. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. I mean... The build quality could be quite crummy. It is a really cool looking piece of kit. But, you know, this is a really niche product. It's for proper retro physical collection enthusiasts. Because, for instance, do you have any carts? Do you have any carts for the Game Boy? Yeah, I still have all my carts. Okay, fine. You're, this is for you then. But they're all back. They're all back in the UK. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I would get it. I mean, there's just for portable emulation. I think it probably is a really good device. But when are you really going to carry this? You could just carry a switch around or something. Maybe you need to play Pokemon Yellow. I don't know which Pokemon's were then. Red, blue, yellow, green, all of those. Anyway, it's an interesting thing. It's pretty cool. I'm not going to get one. It's crazy that the screen is so high res. You could run like N64 stuff on there. I mean, it's higher res than the Switch. Shit. Right. (laughs) To the extent where I saw some comment that, you know, the original Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, the pixels didn't go, you know, they, they didn't really touch. There was like a tiny gap between each of the pixels on those old consoles. And you could mimic that behavior even because the screen is so high res you've got pixels to spare you can leave gaps between each of these virtual pixels let's move on (laughs) you look like you're about to say something you're like enough about that move on move on all right q4 highlights for mike anting q4 highlights being games being released in q4 yes well no highlights though we know it's not just a list everything yeah, well, duh, but we're talking about release highlights rather than like, oh, I really like the Hearthstone Championships <laughs> okay. where they banned that Blizzard Sorry. guy. Sorry, I'm just argumentative. That's why you're here. I mean, I've made a list. Do you have anything you want to add or am I just going to read out my list even though you said just don't read out a list? <laughs> read them out. I'll join in when I can, when I need to. Ring Fit Adventure. October 18th. This is here because of the trailer, right? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm actually going to buy it, but we just, we never talked about this when it actually happened, right? Which is like such a missed opportunity. The reveal trailer for this game was absolute madness. Like, number one, Nintendo released a fitness RPG with a ring that you like bend and squeeze and whatever so that is weird in itself but the reveal trailer had like some total 
<laughs> the hosts on this reveal trailer, like, I think I said they were like aliens or something. You said they were on drugs. Yeah, like a Truman Show couple. Yeah, there was there was something very not normal or very unnatural about them in that trailer somehow. The smile was slightly too wide. The eyes were just slightly open too much. And all the emotions were just too exaggerated. Yeah, there were all sorts of things that were just slightly off about that trailer. But yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a strange product. I guess it's still more convenient than a Wii balance board. Did you buy Wii Fit? Nope. I actually have a Wii Fit balance board with me in Hong Kong. I don't think I've taken it out of the box the entire time I've been here. Next. The Outer Worlds. Released as of the moment we're recording this podcast today, October 25th. I can't believe this game is out now. This is a game that was off in the distant future and now it's released. By the original creators of Fallout. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a new Fallout game that in many ways is truer than the actual official Fallout games to the Fallout formula. I would like to play this, but when am I going to have time to play this? I mean, I suppose I can make time. And then also shockingly, also out on the 25th October, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Which you had lost track of. I was super confused. I didn't realise that this year's COD was Modern Warfare. So when I saw people talking about Modern Warfare, I thought they were talking about the old Modern Warfare, or even there was a remake of that, wasn't there? A re-release of Modern Warfare. Yes. But, there, but now there's a new, new Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is this year's COD. This is some super confusing naming. Going so they've here. rebooted it. They're rebooting Modern Warfare. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was the most popular COD. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Maybe it'll be the most popular COD again? Maybe. Are you getting it? Most likely. Are you getting it? I don't know. When are we going to play it? We can play together. We've got the Outer Worlds to play it. We can play together. Are you going to get it on PS4? Doesn't matter, it's cross-play. I know, but you're just going to get snipered all the time. If I get it, I'd get it on PC. It's fine. This is the dream. Getting wrecked by mouse and keyboard players. <laughs> Seeing you in your prime. And then November 8th. Death Stranding. Finally, we'll find out WTF it's all about. And then November 15th. Pokemon Sword and Shield. Are you going to get one? Are we going to make another attempt to play a Pokemon game? I don't know. Because Sun and Moon went so well. <laughs> okay, that's a no then. I don't get I don't get Pokemon. I just don't get it. It's just like a not fun grind fest. It's fun when you're a kid because you've got time to do not fun grinding. <laughs> so are you getting it? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Probably not, to be honest. Not unless it becomes like a thing and we both buy it and try and play it together or do it as the book club game or some other nonsense. The book club game is not a nonsense, by the way. 
fine. Then if we do, we'd have to take it very seriously if it was the book club game. What or what about? Are, we, are there any others you want to mention? Okay, so so my like second tier list of Q four releases. RDR two, Red Dead Redemption two coming out on PC November fifth. That kind of came out of nowhere. It looks really pretty. Well, duh, it's like it's running on a PC. I mean, we already bought we we already both bought this on PS4. I actually basically played through the tutorial, the horrible snow bit, and then just like didn't play any further. <laughs> Whoops! And then it's basically like a year since I played it. I, it's exactly what happened to me with Final Fantasy 15. Total failure. It just means it wasn't very good. That's okay. It just didn't hook me. Actually, that's not true. I did enjoy it. I think it's just the timing of it, right? There are certain games you play it, you start it, and you're like, oh, this is really good. And then you have to put it down for one reason or another. And then you just never quite come back to it. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Again, I thought this game was like miles off in the future. But no, it's out in a matter of weeks. November 15th. And also Shenmue 3. November 19th. This is another game that was always just like, oh, it's years away. It's it's in the distant future. One day we'll be able to play a sequel to Shenmue. And nope, wait. It's in, what, like three weeks. I totally agree with this one. Just like that, Shenmue 3 is out. We've waited a long time for this. Have there been any trailers? Has there been any footage? I've seen nothing. But then again, I didn't play the previous game, so I I wasn't especially hyped for it. But I feel like I feel like there's been, like, no information about it, and now it's going to release. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you what Shenmue 3 is going to be like. I just think Yakuza immediately. Well, I mean, they do say that's the spiritual successor to it. Moving on. Oh, that was my list. You got any? On the same day, November 19th. Oh. Stadia. What do you want to say about it? We'll see if you have any last... Last thoughts, last words before it comes out? I mean, it's not coming out in Asia, so I'm not going to play it. Anything from you? No, I don't care for Stadia. A news story I saw today brought up an interesting idea. Imagine a game, obviously powered by Stadia in this context, where... The interactions with the AI characters are powered by Google Duplex. The crazy natural language, it sounds like you're talking to a human, speech, AI. So if you haven't seen the Google Duplex demo, you know they, they literally tell their phone, oh, book me an appointment at this restaurant. And then the AI goes and calls up the restaurant and speaks like a human as in it goes oh hey i'd like to make a booking at you know 11 a.m for four people and then they say oh on what date and it goes "Mm, thursday like it it literally has pauses and ums and ahs in it it sounds like a person yeah that's whack yo like imagine (laughs) that in your game right i mean right now we've got a game where you interact with your local florist and see how many flowers you can buy by next Friday you get to choose You're a florist right. <laughs> imagine if the game just becomes an elaborate method for training Google's AIs jeez this is, this is proper dystopia 
but you don't realize it. It'd be amazing. It's like, oh, you think you're doing a Tarsian game, but actually duplex is going off in the real world and doing it for you. Or maybe your duplex, it just assigns you the task and you have to go to the real florist. And maybe surrounding all of that, there is like Google is providing a personal assistant service. Yeah, you want the human interface to do the tasks (laughs) via duplex. No, but seriously, though, just think about it, right? Games in the 90s and early 2000s, the stories were very complex because it was all delivered through text. So that's why you had games like Baldur's Gate that had like very rich narrative because, you know, it was feasible for them to write all of this dialogue and have all these branching conversation trees and so on because it was just text. And then now we've hit this point where the stories can't be so complicated or the budget for the game just has to be truly outrageous because everything has to be voice acted. But maybe we can go back to that richness of narrative or even richer, but the cost can also be achievable for smaller studios or even indies because the AI is just going to voice act it for you or just make it up on the fly which is even creepier. Yeah, but it might say something racist. <laughs> why do you have to go there? <laughs> but the, you know, if well, it, why, it, why is that where you went? <laughs> because that's what happened with the Twitter bot that Microsoft created, right? Yeah, that's true. It's just a sad indictment of the internet, isn't it? The Twitter bot learned from others and it just became <laughs> this racist... It's going to be a hilarious future. It's kind of exciting, but it also makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. I think this is, again, is, you know, this is what it's like to become old. Yeah, imagine how much data Google will have to hold on you for it to do things, these things for you. I guess it already has your car details, your calendar already, your email address. And all my emails. Like, Google knows everything already. It's got my location, too. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Steam Remote Play Together. This is terrible naming. How would you name this yourself? If you're if you're marketing, if you're doing the marketing, I would call it Nvidia GeForce Co-op <laughs> Experience. <laughs> because Nvidia did this like four years ago. I'm just being facetious. I don't know why I did that. That's all you wanted to say anyway, if I'm honest. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I think it's cool. Because the Steam Remote Play actually works really well. And if you can stream it to one person remotely and get their controller inputs, then why not two? I mean, this is like like low-budget Stadia, right? We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else. Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful to be 
back home in my own flat after weeks of being away. So Michael says bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.